Listening to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Happy Advent, everyone. We Happy are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. All right. So we've talked with church workers. We've talked with others who encourage church workers. Today, we get to talk with someone in formation. Yes. In their training to become a church worker. Joining us today is Vicar Joseph Greenmeyer. He's at Zion Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mitchell, South Dakota. Vicar Greenmeyer, thanks for joining us on the Coffee Hour. Thanks for having me on. So share with us your story. What led you to consider this path to pastoral formation and serving as a pastor in the future? I have a couple of people, first of all, that kind of led me towards considering it. First of all, my mom. Uh, I remember going to the divine service with my family at our old country church one day and I don't know what really led her to ask me this, but she asked me if I'd ever thought about studying to be a pastor, and I hadn't at that point, and didn't really think about it again for a long time after that. But a long time after that, when I was a sophomore in high school, my pastor reached out to me because the pastor of a campus ministry at the University of North Dakota in Grand Forks had asked my brother if he had thought about becoming a pastor because he thought my brother had a lot of talents, and my brother said no, and he was pretty committed to going to med school, so... I was kind of the second best option after that, (laughs) in a way. So uh, my pastor then reached out to me and asked if I had thought about it, and I hadn't, but we decided to get together and start uh, learning about God's Word together, and after that, went into the Lutheran Confessions as well, and there are quite a few other people that I come to the top of my head here if I'm thinking about who helped me think about it. One of them would be Chaplain Sean Denzer, who was a pastor in my circuit at the time. He really instilled in me a great appreciation for the Lutheran liturgy and Lutheran theology. And I I really appreciate that. That was instilled in me. So what was that, that decision, that discernment like as you were considering going into church work, figuring out that what the path would be for that and, and the path that you're still on right now as a vicar, what was that discernment process like for you? It was kind of difficult, but what it involved a lot of is what you might call the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren, you know, talking to, honestly, just people at church, you know, asking them, they've been in church for a long time, obviously, had a lot of different pastors, you know, do you think this would be the right thing for me to study towards? Do you think, you know, uh, I might be able to serve the church in this way, see what they thought? And then talking with different pastors also about the same kind of thing. And what was your path to the Office of the Holy Ministry like, you know, some kind of brass tacks things. Where'd you go to college? You know, how did you discern that this was the right vocation for you? That kind of thing. But it was constantly being in conversation with the church at large and not trying to take up the office for myself. So when did you make that decision then to attend seminary? And what was it like making that transition to from the university to seminary life? Right. The decision for me, I guess, was kind of made in high school. I decided to go the pre-seminary route at Concordia University, Nebraska. So at that point, I was relatively committed, but it really came while my pastor and I were studying Walther's Law and Gospel together and hearing this great father of our church talk about what God's Word was meant for, how it comforted the troubled conscience, what the Office of the Holy Ministry was all about, namely applying God's Word and Law and Gospel 
and delivering the forgiveness of sins in that way, I really came to the conclusion that this is what I wanted to do. I just really found that powerful. And so that's kind of how I made the decision and went to CUNE. And then after that, went to Fort Wayne. Now I'm here. No, well, <laughs> yes. As a, a third, are you a third year vicar right now? Yes, that's right. Yes, very good. And we'll we'll get to vicar vicar formation and what that is and, and your experiences in a little bit. But what were some of your, or did you have reservations or concerns or things that you had to work through as you were thinking of this path and and looking to see what uh, what the future would hold for you? I was kind of worried. I didn't want to like put myself forward, you know, as someone who kind of like deserved this. You know, sometimes it's difficult to not just bring a normal career mentality that we have in the States of I studied for, for this, I got the degree, so now I'm kind of owed something, right? Mm. At the seminary, we do like to talk about studying toward the Office of the Holy Ministry or studying toward ordination because you always submit yourself to the judgment of the church, right? I could could get done with all of my seminary studies and then not receive a call. And it's tough to kind of put yourself under discipline in that way and receive that. But that's all whole part of understanding that simultaneously, Hebrew says no man takes this office for himself, but that also trusting the whole time that St. Paul does say, whoever desires the office of overseer desires a noble task. And so even while studying for the office of the holy ministry, being confident that what I'm doing, what I'm studying towards is a good thing. And even at the end of the day, if the church decides that I am not the best fit, that I can be comfortable with that as well. Which grasping that in and of itself makes you a good candidate for, <laughs> for serving in the office, right? <laughs> when one can be humble enough to, mm-hmm. to accept that, that mm-hmm. certainly makes him a good candidate for that. What were there any other obstacles in, in preparing for seminary or in, in making that transition to seminary life? Oh, yeah. So probably the biggest obstacles at the undergraduate level and for a a lot of men who end up studying at the seminary are the biblical languages. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had the fortune of doing it as a young man. Learning the languages seems to be a little bit easier when you're still fresh in school and all that kind of thing. For guys who choose the second career path, that can be difficult sometimes. You've been out of school for a really long time and all of a sudden you have to learn languages and that in itself is difficult as you age. So that was a huge challenge for me at the undergraduate level. And then all of the moving was very challenging as well. And then probably the, you know, piece de resistance was that we, my class started seminary in the fall of 2020. Oh, yeah. So there, there were quite a few challenges there when we were all getting used to the new normal as it seemed. And then, you know, like other young men my age coming to the seminary, we have a lot of big life changes that are happening simultaneously with that. So you're discerning the Office of the Holy Ministry while you're getting married. I had my first child while we were at seminary. So there's a lot of big life things happening all at once, and it can get a little overwhelming at times. How did you see the Lord's faithfulness in all of this? Because you're right, I'm, all of the the seminarians that, that I know, that I've talked to, that we've talked to, there you're right, there is a lot that's happening in a very short amount of time for you. And that can be... That can be very stressful, very overwhelming. How did you see the Lord's faithfulness to you and your family in through all of this that's that's still continuing on for you? One of the biggest things that sounds kind of simple, but it is true, is just God's providence. You know, I mean, 
it is a common thing for people to worry about finances, right? When you go to the seminary, just wondering how you're going to make it all work when you can only work part-time at best and, you know, maybe not very much at all during different quarters. But God through his church really does provide for everything that the seminarians need. Definitely our co-ops, our food and clothing co-ops at the seminary were a great help, especially during everything that happened with COVID. They were a huge help. And uh, as you know, uh, food prices continue to go up, they're a great help for all of the guys studying for the Office of Holy Ministry there. So uh, that was one of the biggest pieces for me that edified my faith in Christ throughout seminary has seen how people in the church just rush to support the men who are studying to become pastors and are so quick to help them out any way they can, whether it be financially or just reaching out and saying, hey, we're praying for you or anything like that. Did you receive financial support from, from families or from a congregation or from others? Oh, yeah. So we receive a lot of congregational support. The seminaries now have full tuition coverage, which is a great blessing. And then randomly, too, just at the generosity of several individuals, they'll give you generous financial gifts. One very big help for me has been the Munderlo Foundation, which I think is a pan-Lutheran group, but they provide financial help for Lutheran seminarians. And through all of this, it, it becomes easier and easier to see throughout the process how people make it work. At the outset, that was one of the biggest challenges, thinking about how many moves you have to make to seminary, from seminary to vicarage, back to seminary, from vicarage, and then from seminary to your first call. It can, just get, it can get kind of overwhelming when you think about it all, all at the same time. But you learn throughout the process that you just live by what comes from God's hands, that he works through means, he works through people in the church, and that he's going to take care of you. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great opportunity for churches and congregations to come together and to really support our seminary students as they go through. Did you see that in any other? Have you seen that in any other ways with with yourself or with your classmates? How congregations have really stepped up to support you as you're moving through seminary toward a call. Another one would definitely be the opportunity for pulpit supply. So after taking homiletics one at the seminary congregations will allow seminarians to preach at their church if the sermon's been pre-approved by the pastor there. And they provide financial compensation for that, which is a great help and blessing as well. And my own home congregation has been a great blessing too, as I've gone through seminary. They just consistently send money and consistently take offerings. And that's been the case also for financial financial help from student adoption congregations that the seminary has. So mm -hmm. it's another thing the seminary has set up where there are various congregations throughout the synod that get connected to a seminary student, and then they will provide you with financial help. And typically it's very nice because you send a lot of information to them about your family, you know, how's your wife doing, how are your kids doing, and they love hearing from you. And of course, it's a great blessing to receive those gifts from them. Mm -hmm. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Today, our guest is Vicar Joseph Greenmeyer at Zion Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mitchell, South Dakota. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world. 
to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50 plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series, encouraging people both young and second career to consider church work vocations. Our guest today is Vicar Joseph Greenmeyer. He serves at Zion Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mitchell, South Dakota, as part of his formation, preparing toward a call to serve in the Office of Holy Ministry. Now, Vicar, you shared with us a little bit about the the transition to seminary life, the challenges and the joys of that and the great joys of the support that you've received as well. What For, for those not familiar with what happens in what we might call the traditional route for a Master of Divinity at the seminary at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, what are the first two years? And we mentioned that you're on your third year, which is Vicarage. What are the first two years mostly about? Right. So I'm about as traditional and boring of a route as it gets for coming to seminary. So I can help with this question. Um, Thanks. So it does depend on what your undergraduate studies were in. For me, since I got the biblical languages done in undergrad, that meant that starting first year in seminary, I didn't have to worry about summer Greek. But let's say you get a degree from a state school or some school that doesn't provide you with the background of the biblical languages. That's another thing that takes place before you even start at seminary. You get to campus the summer before and you take an intensive program to study Koine Greek, the language of the New Testament. And it is boot camp for sure. I can't speak to uh, it. Is, it is very, very difficult just talking with some of the guys in my class, uh, but they come out with a very, very solid education. And that does provide in a un- unique way kind of a band of brothers, all these men who went through the same thing together, studied late nights together, took the same quizzes. It really bonds them together in this shared difficulty that they went through before seminary even starts, which is great. So they can just hit the ground running and they're ready to all be together in the same classes and talk theology. So, But starting the very first year, you're introduced to the various disciplines of theology, church history, exegetical theology. Normally, we start with Gospels 1, learning the Gospel of Matthew. And then we'll have a Greek readings class of some sort, which will look towards the gospel reading for the upcoming Sunday. And you simultaneously get to practice your skills in Greek and also kind of sharpen your homiletical chops because you think towards always, how does this preach to God's people? How does this text deliver Christ in law and gospel? How does it teach what his word says, right? What's the doctrine that's being taught here and how does it apply to our current situation as Christians? So what else, what else happens first year, second year, second year, uh, a different, a different level of classes for you then? Yeah. Second year is kind of an intensification and building upon what you already learned your first year. So one of the classes that we take second year is called Teologia. And uh, this is a part of the new curriculum at Fort Wayne, which is now old, but still called the new curriculum. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of like how Lutheran service book is still the new hymnal, right? So in Theologia, then we uh, kind of integrate all these various disciplines of theology and we're not treating them as separate things anymore. So historical theology, exegetical theology, studying the text of scripture and practical theology, they're all kind of integrated into one thing. And those are normally divided along 
the various things that a pastor is most immediately doing in his work in the Office of the Holy Ministry. So we have Theologia Baptism, Theologia the Lord's Supper, and Theologia Preaching. Those are all kind of taken from the main tasks of a pastor, right? To preach the gospel and to administer the sacraments. So second year wraps up, obviously, with call day at the very end of the year. Candidates who are fourth years receive their assignments and go out into the the mission field. And then second years receive their vicarage assignments, meet with the district president from their district, and then they go out. What do you get to do as a vicar, what mm-hmm. what are the things you get to do or experience in vicarage that are an important part of that formation? Yeah, this is really good. So as a, I forgot to mention, as a first and second year seminarian, you do have a fieldwork congregation in which you kind of begin to help out a little bit in church, maybe leading a Bible study, maybe making a couple of visits, probably not too many, and then maybe preaching one sermon after you've completed your homiletics. So Vicarage is kind of an intensive period of studying under the pastor, mostly a practical thing with some study also, just kind of keep yourself sharp. But a lot of it is preaching, teaching in Bible class, making visits, and then also helping with the administrative stuff going around the church. So you really do get to just live the life of the church. You kind of get dropped in halfway through the stream and You become a part of these people's lives and they become a part of yours. You go to all their voters' assemblies. You see all the meetings. You pray for them. You learn who they are, what their struggles are, and you get the great joy of preaching to them and delivering Christ to them. So you're a few months into your vicarage now. You probably started over the summer. Is that right? Yep, that's right. So what are some of the things that you've been able to do, the experiences that you've had that that have really helped form you into the pastor you're going to be? I think one of them that has been incredibly blessing is being able to make a couple hospice visits. That was totally new for me. I've never been able to do that at field work or even in my personal life. And that has been incredibly edifying for me as a Christian to really see what it means to die a blessed death right? And to cling to God's word all the way. The other thing that's been an incredible blessing is just get the, more opportunities to preach and to teach Bible class. Uh, this year, for an example, pastor has allowed me to kind of plan and preach both the Advent midweek services and the Lenten midweek services. So that's, that's a new experience for me and one that I've really, really enjoyed. You mentioned your pastor. What's the relationship of vicar to the supervising pastor in a congregation? It kind of depends on the pastor and the vicar. So my experience has been a great joy because my supervisor is not too much older than me. We're about the same age. He's 34, 35, something like that. And I'm 24. So our our relationship has been more like a big brother, little brother kind of relationship. And so it can kind of differ. I know some of my classmates have more of a mentor-mentee relationship or, you know, father-grandfather kind of relationship with their supervisor. But always it is, they're always rooting for you. They're on your side. They, they want you to succeed. And they're imparting the wisdom that they've learned from years in the parish and also theological insights they might have from being in God's word deeply for as long as they have been. 
How have you seen your first two years of seminary and, and your pre-sem education? How have you seen all of that prepare you for the work that you're doing now as a vicar and then in the future as well? The biggest thing has been a, a background really in the Holy Scriptures and in our Lutheran theology. One of the things that I've tried to embrace more recently is not mu- not many, but much, right? I had kind of this problem in undergrad where I would just try to read everything that I got my hands on. And that that's totally, that's wonderful, obviously. But I've kind of realized more and more that what I need is a very solid background in what people need and care about the most. So I was reading from this man named Wilhelm Lea this morning in his book, The Pastor. He was noting this kind of funny trend where seminary professors teach future pastors as if they were teaching future seminary professors, right? So, (laughs) and then this kind of can trickle down to the parish where pastors will teach their people as if they want them to be future pastors and not teach them as if they were Christians, right? And they want them to be edified as Christians. And so I think it has both pre-sem and now at seminary, it has kind of focused me as to what really matters. You know, it's very stereotypical that the first year at seminary, everybody knows everything. You know, there's nothing to learn. We have it all figured out. We're going to fix all the problems in the church. And you, you just learn throughout the process that, oh, actually, I don't really know much of anything. I have a lot that I need to learn. You know, I need to humble myself and be instructed by our great fathers in the faith and all of God's people in the church who have been around for a long time and seen hard times, but also know that the Lord has seen them through it. What follows Vicarage? Following Vicarage is another move back to Fort Wayne, at least for me. And then one more year at seminary. This is kind of the the last hurrah of your seminary experience. So everybody comes back and then the The funny joke we all make is that every fourth year, everything that proceeds out of their mouth always starts with, well, on my vicarage, (laughs) right? So that's what everybody's talking about, right? But it is a good practical application of everything you learn your first two years of seminary. And then you learn to color more practical questions through that, through that experience also. So fourth year is a lot of recapping, a lot of more theology classes as well, classes for preaching. And then interacting with the placement director saying, you know, here are some things we need to think about for a placement, that kind of thing. And then at the end of it all, we have call day. And so that's, I mean, it's kind of like the NFL draft, right? You, uh, everybody gets together and you have no idea where you're going, but that's where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. A very exciting and nerve wracking and and all of those things all wrapped into one for that call day. Now, you, you mentioned that, that you got married and had your first child in this whole process. What has that family life been like for your wife and your child? All of these moves, all, all of this being in school, what has that been like for your family too? It has been a, a great blessing. I have to say, I have been very edified in my faith, not only from, as I said, all of the care and concern that people in the church show, but also seeing my wife become a mother and seeing my son baptized all while going through seminary and learning more and more and more about what this means for us and learning more and more how to balance sort of those aspects of being in seminary, but also being a husband and father and then being a vicar and still learning, you know, I I need to balance that with being a husband and father. And uh, it's all integrated. That's the great thing about it. 
At the beginning of our conversation, you shared how there were some really key people that were very helpful and influential in you considering going to seminary and studying to toward becoming a pastor. What is what have you learned from those relationships and what those influential people have done for you and how that might shape how we, how you, how others might make a difference for young people and and others considering as a second career as well, how we might encourage them to consider church work vocations. One of the big things would be that they always took the initiative with me. I didn't have to go to them and ask, you know, do you think this would be something that I should study for? There's no harm in just telling someone, hey, you know, I, I really think that you could serve the church in this way. I think you have a lot of talents. You know, you're pretty pious Christian. You come to church frequently and talk about how God and his word is important to you. I think you should think about this. That was something that I really appreciated as a high school guy that my pastor and other pastors in our circuit took initiative with me. And it, you know, didn't depend on me seeking them out, trying to find them. So I, I think that is a, a very important thing to see young people, see a young man who has the talents and has an interest and tell him this is something you should think about. It is possible. It might sound hard. The whole process might sound laborious, but you can do it by God's grace. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. Our guest today, Vicar Joseph Greenmeyer, serving at Zion Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mitchell, South Dakota. Vicar Greenmeyer, thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. Thanks for having me. God bless. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.